All right, all right, all right. Uh, today, my amazing guest is uh, Brett McHugh, uh, co-founder of uh, our owner of clinicgrower.com, an amazing agency uh, out of Tampa, Florida, um, focused on uh, clinics and dentists across the U.S. and Canada. And these guys are doing some amazing work. I got an opportunity to met, uh, meet a breath uh, this past month in Tampa, uh, where he is uh, based out of. And, you know, we immediately got talking at my table. I remember breath, you came in on the second day and it was such an engaging conversation. So I'm really excited to have you on this particular show today because I know it's going to bring a lot of value to other agency owners listening to us. How are you doing today, breath? Fantastic. How's that? Fantastic. Yeah, appreciate the connection here. Like it was tremendous to get to meet you with a bunch of the agency owners not too long ago. And I remember our chat at the table, um, you know, with the growing company. And you know, you guys have, have done some tremendous stuff at Repstack as well. We were particularly talking about you know culture and how to you know to foster culture and grow it in uh, in digital environments. So it was great to to see you in person and awesome to hang out here today as well. Same here, man. Uh, how about we start out with a bit of your background, uh, you know, talk to us a little bit about uh, where you're coming to us from and, uh, you know, what your life journey has been before uh, clinicgrower.com started. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, man, how long have we got? No, I'll give you the condensed, <laughs> I'll give you the condensed version. So, um, you know, kind of like the, the condensed version would be, I'm originally from Ireland, grew up there, came to the US um, almost 20 years ago, moved through, um, you know, many, many different sort of moons and, and seasons of, of stuff, everything from painting houses to working in restaurants, just trying to make ends meet. And um, eventually kind of, you know, ended up um, living in Boston for a while, traveled the West Coast for a little bit, you know, 20 something year old, just like having fun, figuring stuff out. Ended up moving to this place, Tampa, Florida, and uh, when I did, I um, I started to get you know to work in positions that were more tied to my education, which was always in marketing, sales, advertising. So I kind of worked my way up through some different ranks with a boutique ad agency, and then into traditional media sales. So I worked for some media companies, large television station groups, and uh, moved up through mid-level management and. Particularly then when I was moving through mid-level management, I remember kind of um, saying to myself, this is, this is not forever. My, my wife and I had actually, a little, bit, a little bit before then, Azar, my wife and I had quit our corporate jobs in 2010. And that was right around the time that Tim Ferriss was dropping the four-hour work week. And I know a lot of Roddy probably read that book. So yeah. while, while we were traveling around uh, India and South America for a year, and I was trying stuff out. I was testing different things to, you know, to start my own business, to kind of, you know, look, look to escape the nine to five. And so um, we started a couple of different things, everything from a, an online jewelry store that I was figuring out Google ads for and Facebook ads. And there was a, a, a nutrition company. We started that for a little bit, all these little kind of test ideas. So by the time we came back, um, we really hadn't made any of them work. So I moved back into, into corporate America. And around about that time, I remember I was um, I was listening to and I was um, receiving a lot of content from people like Perry Marshall, and then found my way into you know um, Sam Ovens Group and, and ClickFunnels, and probably a familiar journey for a lot of people as well. So that I um, I started to I started to grow Clinic Grower alongside a full time job, kind of you know in the mornings at nighttime, 
working with different types of businesses and then started to focus on healthcare and specific segments of healthcare and and then you know essentially five years later here we are today so it's been a, it's been a fun ride mm, that's that's an amazing journey and i think i can relate uh, to that actually quite a bit because you know around you know 20 years ago uh, me and my brother we kind of moved over from pakistan which is our home country over to the us to you know come study here we went to minnesota state and um, you know and you know i after the school i went and moved over to canada my brother uh, stayed in the U.S. He started his corporate journey, you know, and I kind of went into uh, learning sales at Best Buy and things like that. But, you know, I think uh, a lot of agency owners that I meet who have very similar journeys where, you know, they go through, uh, you know, their uh, job experiences, a lot of them in corporate, uh, corporate world, doing a great job. And then, you know, we, we have this itch, right, that we need to scratch where, um, something needs to be done. We find a solution, and then also I think uh, what you just mentioned uh, really clicks and resonates with me. Where you know, uh, reading Tim Ferriss's book, and you know, finding you buying your time back for yourself, right? So that's also important. A lot of us stumble upon uh, the agency world because we want to be in charge of our own time. And what was that one of the one one of the main reasons that? Uh, you kind of came across uh, the agency world? Yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, the the world works in mysterious ways, but for sure I am, as far back as I can remember, I've, you know, always wanted to do my own thing, like a lot of us do. And as a kid, for example, my, um, you know, my, my parents owned a, a grocery store back in Ireland. So I was like from, you know, like since I could see over the countertop, I was kind of behind there, like serving customers and, and working at the store. So I kind of, you know, a little bit grew up in that environment, very, you know, small part of Ireland. And so when I came to the U.S., always, always wanted to to start some, start my own business. And then it was just a question, mm. what was that going to be? But with my my marketing background and education, and then starting off at a small ad agency and moving into corporate America, where I was essentially you know, we had a, a product, a station, some a set toolkit that we could sell. And with working mm. with local customers, there was definitely a time, especially in traditional media, where I saw, you know, television ads used to work extremely well, but then they didn't work so much, didn't work so much. Mm. I was working for a company that was tied to a specific product where they couldn't innovate as fast. And I, I just knew that even when I was in sales with me, it was always about the customer service. How are my clients doing? How can I help them better? Let's mm. you know, go above and beyond to deliver incredible customer service. And that's kind of the backbone of, of our company as well is, is that customer service. And so while doing that, I realized that, well, if I started my own agency to serve clients, then I, I wasn't going to be married to any particular platform or any particular product that I could provide for my clients um, you know, the mm. things that they needed or combine different ingredients from different companies in order to serve them uh, to generate the best results possible. So that's, you know, kind of how it tied together for me. I guess. That's awesome. I'm going to ask you a little bit more about your agency, but one more thing I want to touch upon is um, your background of uh, immigrating from Ireland uh, over to the U.S. Do you think that that helps? Because, uh, you know, I can tell you that, you know, me and my brother are extremely grateful because, you know, we came over from Pakistan and then, you know, all of a sudden we have this level playing field over here in the States and Canada. And, you know, like even in our jobs, uh, you know, my, my brother was a vice president at JP Morgan and Chase and, you know, in my job and then in my agency days, 
you know, we're making, you know, more, more than, you know, 90, 95% of the population over here is, is, do you think that's a big driving force uh, for people like us who come here from a different country? And, you know, we, is, is there, is this something inherent in us where we want to start out our businesses and do something um, amazing? I, th I think so, right? Like, um, I mean, exactly what you said, you know, you're coming from um, a different country, a different culture, and then you're moving to a, a country, right? Which, um, you know, is the, the land of the free. So there's almost like infinite opportunity. And, you know, for, for me personally, um, I came over with, um, you know, like a lot of us, like with nothing, and kind of with a point to prove. I think I definitely had a point to mm. prove. And there's always that, I think in a lot of us, there's like, we're just still like that competitiveness, that point to prove no matter how, Big, where you are on the journey and so for me for sure I just remember especially the beginning of that journey living in Boston where I literally had a mattress and I was sharing a house with like you know 11 other guys at one stage and just crazy yeah. Yeah. but I remember like it would have been an easy option to kind of like head back home and just kind of fall back into mm -hmm. and, and ask for help but um no I just I kind of you know ground things out essentially and um, made things happen from a from a stage there and then you know came down to a, to a different part of the, of the U.S. and um you know, really started to strategically tie things together. But that, I think that, yeah, that background of coming from somewhere um, in, a, you know, in, in a new country and then having a, you know, goals and aspirations, knowing that there's, there's things that are achievable here that may be hmm. a little back home for us. Um, and it's just lots of, I think, you know, differences. And there's a system here where, you know, especially with um, the internet where we can connect with so many like-minded people and we can streamline hmm. the direction that we want to go. And so that's been a, definitely an evolution. Yeah. Of my I love that, you know, coming here and, uh, you know, having a point to prove. And um, I think that that's that's huge because, you know, me and my brother, we were able to do all of these things. You know, you coming here from Ireland and, you know, going through the grind in the first uh, 10 years, a decade. And then, you know, slowly starting out your agency while you're working your job. So essentially two jobs and then you know, uh, uh, and then this amazing agency that we're going to talk about. So how did the clinic grower come about? And like, did you, were you focused right away into the niche of uh, uh, working with doctors? Because I'm sure these guys are not uh, easily pleased uh, people. How, how did you, how did you jump into the uh, this particular niche? Yeah, so great question. So it, it did. It started alongside the, my, my full-time job where um, I was at this stage, I was actually mid-level management for, uh, for, for a large, really large corporation. So it had to be early morning stuff. Sometimes if I closed my office door a little bit during the day <laughs> after work. And really what, what that was down to was um, it, it started off really small, like with doing a research project. And the first, you know, market that I reached out to was a market that I had some, you know, kind of interest in because I, I wear orthotics. So I reached out to podiatrists. And so I, you know, I have, I used a, I looked up a, a cool email. I was like, okay, breath at clinicroar.com. We're going to reach out to podiatrists. This is it. Let's go. Let's go. And so that basically like a face planted with that really just like did a lot of research, but like I was chicken shit to actually sell anything to be perfectly honest back then. <laughs> I, I then it just really kept pushing forward and then had opportunities come towards me. And I started working with multiple different types of businesses and, um, you know, real estate agents, financial companies, allergy clinics. There was started to see a little bit of a kind of a medical pattern to what I was doing. And mm. uh, and at, at, at that level, when I had quit my full-time job, I realized, man, there's like, clients in all sorts of different areas here. It's myself and now a, a VA 
we've got to start focusing, right? Because, you know, with, with that focus comes concentration and um, that's where, you know, you can really start to have a return on investment and, um, and really generate results within those specific niches. So start to focus more within healthcare, focusing on certain types of, of clinics and practices that serve high case value patients, dental, orthodontic, pain, vascular, and also pain and regenerative medicine. They're sort of the core three niches. We do have a number of different aesthetics, so it's kind of a core four clients as well. Mm. And within each of those, that's kind of a lot right there. So there's like very specific things that we do for those practices, specific programs and specific ways that we craft systems to help them to generate clients. And, you know, the, the, the whole, the, the, the growth essentially for me is that one man band back in 2017. Now we have a team of, uh, of, of 31. And it's, just, it's really, that, that's been the, the number of keys, focus. It's been about building a, a team and it's been about having that consistency, going through COVID, you know, coming through mm. that really strong with, you know, making sure that if anything ever happens again and stuff will always happen that, you know, we're, we're sustainable. So um, that's all. So, you were, so, uh, so when did you quit your uh, full-time job? That was back. Uh, what year was that? 2017. So March of 2017 is when I quit the full-time job. And that's around the time where you started really focusing on honing down on the uh, healthcare niche. Is that correct? correct? Yep. So, so do you think like how important is it to kind of like have a well-defined niche uh, uh, for an agency owner who's wanting to start out? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I, I mean, I think it's, it's crucial. There's got, you've got to have the, you know, there's maybe a couple of ways to do it. You've got to have that laser beam focus where it's like you are the platform expert. You are the, you know, the, the, the Google ads expert for local, for LSA ads or the TikTok ads expert for, you know, for e-com brands. Or then with, you know, what you can do is you can drive yourself crazy if you have like 15 different clients in, in 25 different mm. Google and Facebook on Instagram. So with us, we're very defined and we, we focus on that niche within specific verticals of healthcare and we do offer different services and platforms, but that's that's been an evolution as well. So I think especially for... For any folks starting out, it really is um, important to start to to master, you know, certain you know the, your niche, certain channels in that niche, and then only after doing mm. once you've kind of qualified for that next level, if you will, or graduate to the next 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 level, then strategically expand from there. Yeah, I think I think learning from uh, people like Ref, uh, you know, who've kind of been there and you've tried out different. Uh, niches and work with a whole bunch of clients and now you're kind of focused on one niche right now and similar for me like you know i still have my legacy agency where i was you know all over the map with working with different businesses and stuff like that and then you know figuring out my niche as soon as i you know uh, jumped into a coaching program with josh nelson and you know RepStack kind of was born out of that and stuff like that and just focusing really really hard on that and even inside RepStack, we kind of went through a similar journey breath where, you know, initially we were providing our associates to um, uh, realtors and, you know, uh, accounting firms and, you know, and they were mostly digital marketing agencies. But then we thought that, you know, like we're, we, we're getting this churn and, you know, like, and we saw that, you know, we're, the majority of the churn was coming from people who were not uh, digital marketing agency owners. And, you know, we figured that, you know, the easiest way is that let's cut these people out. Let's focus on what's working for us. And I think, uh, and that's what I think I, what I get from your uh, uh, explanation as well of focusing on a niche is that, you know, you get to have your processes 
and you get to implement it over and over again for the same type of clients. It just makes life a lot easier, not just for you, I'm assuming for your team, which was around 30 people back then. How big is your team now, Brett? So, well, though today it's like 31. So, I mean, back it was like from, from 1 to 31, essentially, over the course of yeah. the years. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. So, such an amazing journey, man. And 31, and these are like developers. You guys do all everything in-house, or how does that work? Yeah, so it's we do in the the kind of the current um, development really is in developing that that mid level management, right? Because you get you start off a stage where it's me personally, maybe a lot of people as well. It's okay, it's yourself, and you hire the virtual assistant, and you got to be make sure you've got a specific task and they're strategic about that that VA. So you're grooming team members, and so you know we started with that, and then we we added you know client success was a was a was a department that we really needed to add. In fact, I mean to be honest, like. Five years ago, the the one of the pivotal points of Clinicor has been actually my, my partnership. So my partnership with uh, with my partner Brad, that's that's been key over the last three years. And then adding those team members, client success, building out our ad team, building out our SEO team, building out our mm. center team for, for our clients, patients, and, and and things like that. And then also each of those teams now, instead of Brad and I managing all of those teams, that's that mid-level management, which I know you're extremely you know, familiar with as well, building out those, those pods and teams for sure. Hmm. That's awesome. And I think uh, uh, the partnership is also key here. So maybe mm-hmm. tell me, I, I got, got an opportunity to meet Brad as well. Brad's amazing uh, gentleman. And we spent some time as well. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that, like how you, you mentioned that was a pivotal point, right? You and Brad partnering together. How did that came about? What, what, what did, how did you guys meet? And I know Brad is in a different part of the world, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, so yeah, so Brad's actually um, you know, up, not too far from you. He's up in uh, London, Ontario. And Brad and I, so Brad is a registered nurse. He has, he's our chief clinical officer and co-owner here at Clinic Roar. And it was um, kind of you know fate, if, if you will, but universe again works in mysterious ways. We we met over a common client, a client that I was serving and he was serving at a different company. He kind of saw what I was doing and I kind of really liked his approach and to boil it down, his approach just epitomizes who we are, what we do was customer service. And at that time, Brad was working for a company that had a, an, like a kind of an ISA or appointment booking team. I was generating leads mm-hmm. for the client and the client was kind of hitting the wall. We tried lots of different stuff, but it was just those leads weren't being followed up with. So Brad, remember mm-hmm. I said, hey, how about we just give you our, you know, we've got some appointment setters they can call for you. And it was like, no, 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 like uh, no hook or no catch. I was like, mm-hmm. that's awesome. That, that guy wants to help people. So, so we stayed in touch. And then we, um, over the course of the year, we strategically, you know, plan to, to work together. And we've been doing that for the last three years. And yeah, having a partnership, having that um, counter balance with business, that someone to share mm-hmm. with, someone to, you know, kind of keep you on track to complement what you do. I mean, you know all about it as well. That that's been key for sure. So, um, yeah, yeah, we, we that's that's how we. I, th- I think that's big. That's definitely big because you know we kind of me and my brothers we kind of went through a very similar situation, and I've been through some bad partnerships in the past. Mm. And uh, and what happens is that you know when you bring similar things to the table, it never works out. You know, you want to have different expertise. Like you mentioned that Brad is a clinical uh, registered nurse, right? So he brings that aspect. So similar thing happened with my brothers. One of them was in Pakistan, another one in Delaware, me in Calgary. 
And um, the way all three of us came together is like, you know, like we grew up together, obviously. Uh, and we never really planned on uh, putting a business together. But everybody had their superpowers. My brother, uh, JP Morgan Chase, he's a chief operating officer. And he's amazing at setting up systems. I'm not that guy. You know, I can, I can dream a big dream and, you know, I can sell the dream. But I need my brother, Athar, who's in Delaware, to kind of build up the systems and processes. My brother, Yawar, who's in Pakistan, um, you know, he's, he's got a restaurant chain with, you know, over a thousand employees. So he was great at hiring and HR and, you know, things like that. So all of these things come together. And I cannot stress this enough that, you know, once you have those right partnerships in place, I think you can see uh, the growth happens. And it looks like we, we saw that happening uh, on your side as well. So, um, yeah, that, that's, I totally agree with that. Amazing, amazing. Let's let's go into the nitty gritty, uh, Bref, and let's see now what's the process like on pulling in customers now. How do you guys do that? What's your marketing plan now? Looks like. Yeah. yeah. So it's been an evolving marketing plan over the years, and it's uh, there's, there's constantly iterations and tweaks to it. But we do uh, we do quite a few different things. Um, for example, last just two weeks ago, we um, you know we we attend a couple of different industry events every year, so. We network with, with with medical and dental staff at different industry shows, and we we use that as an opportunity to connect with not only current clients, but of course to generate new leads. And Brad typically now has speaking engagements at those types of industry events. So that's that's kind of you know most, the most recent area that we've been focusing on is those types of events and uh, you know strategic speaking gigs, so that we can keep continue to build our authority in those spaces. Um, mm-hmm. and, Aside from that, we uh, you know we, we do our own we practice what we preach when it comes to advertising on different platforms on Google on Facebook on Instagram. Um, we also from time to time will leverage direct mail strategies to connect with with our practices to get past those front desks because not all doctors are on Facebook and um, mm. that's, that's been consistent as far as different levers that we we pull and we've also been growing a a team so we're growing a sales team here where we have different sales executives that are now. You know, speaking and having what we call practice growth consultancy calls with our dental and medical practices, and that's been um, exceptional for you know for both of us, but for me personally, because with our partnership, my job has been, and again, it's been a, I think, a very important part of the partnership is having those clearly defined roles. Within the last mm. year, we've we really just crystallized that. It's like, okay, so I get the clients in, and Brad keeps the clients, and essentially, that's been uh, that's been the nice. line in the sand. So. Um, nice. So, so marketing strategies a mix of things. Um, I think you guys are becoming a force to be reckoning inside your niche by you know going after your uh, uh, speaking engagement inside you know these uh, groups of uh, medical clinics and doctors and things like that. So you know uh, you guys go out to events. I know you and I we met at an event at a uh, digital marketing event. And um, and then you guys are also doing practice what you preach, which is extremely important. We do a lot of that by, you know, doing marketing and, you know, Facebook marketing, um, uh, Google ads and things like that. And, and you're also doing some traditional marketing still, which is still alive in your particular niche. So I guess every niche is going to be different. So if you're talking to, um, you know, people like doctors, uh, you want to think about everything like what you guys are doing and don't underestimate the value of uh, traditional marketing, like sending some uh, postcard in the mail, right? 
Yeah, and you know, it's, it's all about the, the systems you create around it as well, right? So, um, you know, with us, we've just the direct mail thing is interesting. Um, like, we tried postcards, but now what we use, we'll use a manila envelope, confidential, with a kind of almost like a Dan Kennedy style sales letter that I'll write. Nice. You know, and, and what it does, it's nice, it generates, it generates inbound calls, but then, we, you know, we don't just wait for that. So, we'll also have emails that we'll send to the practices. Mm. Make sure we're targeting them with ads and we also have our appointment booking center team we'll reach out to those practices knowing that either the front desk person who's going to probably answer the phone or doctor has either they have it or they've opened it so it's just about those multiple touch points and you know really yeah it's kind of omnipresence in a lot of ways so yeah it's it's not your granddaddy's outreach so so to speak right it's right. coupled with uh you know today's uh, day and age uh outreach with you know you, even though you're sending out that letter but you're also having a uh, email outreach campaign working in the same and then you're also marketing to the same uh, list uh, probably running ads and things like that and I know it works uh, really really well so yeah that's that's a perfect uh, marketing strategy ladies and gentlemen it doesn't get any better than that uh, so so let's let's talk about you you're talking about some salespeople and uh, things like that Rev. what's the so now you have your marketing working you have uh, people who are kind of sort of raising their hands they're coming in your funnel uh, what does the sales process look like from here? Are you like having multiple calls at this point and uh, doing a discovery call and then a closing call? How does that uh, closing the deal look like for you guys right now? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yes, we with our practices, it's typically now, as you know, calls can change and go multiple directions. But our, our process is it's a two phase process. So we'll number one have a a, a strategy session, a discovery call, so that we can have the practice will show up and, and we'll listen to them as far as who they are and like what they want to do. And as you know, sometimes, mm. sometimes they don't always really know. So having those questions to ask and get them to really clarify, understand what, where they are, where they need to go and what, what is the obstacle in their way. So we then from there, what we'll do is the, on a small percentage of the time, if there's someone who's like, you know, really ready, ready to go on the spot and they actually have that time because a lot of doctors, you know, don't always carve out a full hour. We'll normally do about 20 minutes and then a subsequent 40 or 45 minutes. But if they have that hour and all the stars are alignments, then we'll we'll use our, our presentation and we have a number of different sort of like strategic options that would make sense for them based off what we've discovered in that call. What happens most of the time as our is we'll have that discovery call and then we'll have some time between that call to, to present some findings. So to do an assessment as to how they're showing up to more clearly show them what they're currently doing, potential gaps in their plan, and then introduce the solution through, again, one of our specific programs that we'll offer to them. So typically it's a two-phase, normally two-call, but sometimes one-call. Nice, nice. And then do you book that uh, strategy session right on that first discovery call, or you guys give the doctor some time? Yep. So once we have that initial strategy session, then we're typically booking a call about two or three days. You know, that's a, a typical duration. You know, we'd never usually want it to go on longer than that, but that's a kind of a standard yeah. that we'll have that follow demo, which we call it. And what does the, what is the, um, you know, your pitch or the stack of services kind of the retainer amount kind of comes uh, on an average for one, one doctor or client or what does that look like? Yeah, so we'll have practices. We'll typically invest between three thirty-five hundred to five thousand is an average starting point for most practices, and and this does not include ad spend. 
that will, will include ad spend with that. So with, with our program, we'll include ad spend that will pay from that particular investment. And then our strategy is to, with, with the data and the tracking and with the tools that we use, we'll dial in the cost for that practice to acquire a patient. So during the course of 90 days, we present to them, hey, for every $200 that you've invested with us, you've generated a patient that will generate $10,000 for your practice. Mm. How many more do you want? And then it just becomes a matter of them increasing their investment nice. from an ad spend standpoint or sometimes adding additional service with us as well. Nice. So kind of you take the first 90 day as a, almost like a test drive where you prove to them that these are the results that are possible. And then at the end of that 90 days, uh, you guys get the client to like make an easy decision based on facts and figures. Yeah. So we, we let them know that we don't do, you know, we're not doing like long term contracts to lock them in. But and that's, you know, everybody has a different position in the marketplace. But for us, it's a simple 90 day agreement. We're going to dial in the cost to acquire their patient. Our program will recur month to month after that. But during those 90 days, we'll have an assessment. And if they want to go more to get more, nice. we can customize it for them from there as well. That's a great strategy. So you're not just selling right now or during your discovery and strategy sessions, but you also have a constant opportunity to upgrade your clients after the 90 days and any time after that. So yep. amazing. You, you kind of built that into anytime you can, uh, you know, really like for the people who want to really, really grow, you can increase those retainer size anytime. That's beautiful of our sales strategy, Brett. Love it. We, we can. And I mean, to be honest, like most practices will stay like 80, 85% of the practices will stay at one of those retainer package levels mm. Just that generates the, the volume that is adequate for that one location. If they expand to another location, if they add more services, then we, we stack more on top of those uh, packages for them as well. But those levels, we, we, you know, we tried and tested them for, for, for years and they work really well. There are some practices that they might have more locations or they just got more capacity and then we can customize for them as well. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's relatively easy to manage in the back end for us. Nice. So at this point, Ref, uh, how many uh, clients are you guys working with? Yeah, so we're, we're serving well, it's over 110 locations in the U.S. right now. And that includes uh, nice. clients that we have. So that so the nice thing is that we've, the last count was 59 actual kind of clients where we would have to have a client success manager manage them. But within some mm -hmm. of those multiple locations and, and retainers that we, uh, we managed to sell as well. Amazing, amazing. So that's that's a lot of workload. And then, you know, that kind of brings me to my next question, which is going to be you just talked about uh, client success managers. Uh, you know, at, at a certain point when you start crossing those 10 and 15 client marks, uh, you know, uh, we realize that there's a thing called retention that, you know, you have to worry about and you want to make sure that your clients stay with you for as long as possible. Uh, so how does that process uh, look like on your side? How do you guys retain your clients for as long as possible? Yeah. So, um, you know, like I said at the beginning, like customer service and client success, it's just baked in, it's inherent in who we are and what we do. And so we, one of our, um, you know, first, one of our first hires, I guess, was our, you know, client success manager. And at, at, kind of at that number, like we're in the like 20-ish clients, we mm -hmm. need someone now to, to be on those calls. And so we, we set up a structure where, um, Kind of from a high level, when a new client comes on board, there's you know, we leverage automation in order to communicate and to help with onboarding process. 
but a big part for us, especially with, with medical practices that have team members, front desks, office managers, the doctors, is having set schedules of, of, of contact, person-to-person -person contact. So we'll do a welcome call, we have an onboarding call, and then a kickoff call is managed by our client success team. And mm. there we also, we, we kind of, a, a clinic role will carve in for the first six weeks, we'll carve time into our calendar and book client success calls with them for the first six weeks, that then go to bi-week, nice. or 12, then go to monthly, or under, and after, after a while, you know, clients like, we're good. You guys are amazing. We'll, we'll, we'll call you if you need us. But just in the early days, as our, I don't know if you see it too, it's just having that time on the calendar. Sometimes it's little things like they, they don't know how to mm -hmm. go high level or whatever it is. Just to mm -hmm. have that support and to, to add that has been huge for us. I totally agree. I think those first 90 days in that relationship are absolutely key in making sure that that client lasts for as long as possible. And those client success managers, I think they are you know, I think we have at this point like five or six of them. And, uh, you know, I would not do anything without them because, you know, these and then, you know, like you and I, like as business owners, uh, we can do an OK job at uh, making sure that our clients are doing great. But we have so many other hats to wear at the same time. Uh, but a client success manager can come in and they live and breathe retention every single day. That's their entire purpose inside an org inside a digital marketing agency so so in roughly how many clients is uh, one account manager managing for you or client success manager yeah so kind of within those it's been like 15 to 20 that's the the numbers that we've seen and we we have a system where you know our team there's like no one like kind of owns that client but we actually kind of have almost like split shifts with the team and there's a lead mm. on each client but we just make sure that you know, we have the depth of the squad now we have three client success managers and so that there's always someone available during office hours and we even have team members um in different time zones that that start as early as 4 a.m and work up until nice. today in eastern so that they can it's amazing man they can do like the administration prepare notes so that we're versed on where clients are and handle the calls during the daytime you know send out those early morning communications to clients when it comes to reports and mm. so much can happen before we've had our cup of coffee and then once the day goes on, we know that they're on calls with clients and there's mm. communication and it's um, the client success and that retention piece, as you mentioned, is, is absolutely crucial. That's huge, right? Once you really start growing, you're going to find out uh, sooner or later that you want to be able to retain your clients. And I know, like, I don't know of any digital marketing agency, Brett, uh, who's not going out to bat for their clients every single day. The issue that we see is that, uh, you know, it's, it's the perceived indifference. You know, usually sometimes we drop the ball on not communicating enough with our clients. And not everybody is, especially like, you know, in your case, these guys are busy people, doctors, and they're not going to be picking up the phone and calling you every day that, hey, where are my leads and things like that. They're, you know, they're going to continue and they don't hear from you for a month or so, even though everything is working in the background they're just going to say that let's just move on right so i think that perceived indifference how you counter that is by just communicate 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 and client success managers like you guys are using um they play a huge role uh, in managing that the you know inside a digital marketing agency i like to say that the most important thing is our retainers or our uh, you know uh, the 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 you know the revenue that these clients bring in for us and we need to cradle that as much as possible and we want to take care of that and these client success managers 
are extremely important. And, you know, once you get to that 10 point uh, of clients and 15, I think that's a really good point to kind of start thinking about hiring a, a client success manager and probably turn them into a team. And you guys are, I think, doing something phenomenal where everybody kind of uh, knows every single client uh, so that, you know, if one person is off or the other one, then anyone can really pick up uh, where the other person left off. Yep. Yeah, 100%. It's, um, you know, it's about communication. It's about having the systems in place. So, you know, we're using Monday, for example, keeps things organized. We use Go High Level so that, you know, we, our team are sending out emails to the entire team, but we know that everybody's getting bombarded with emails. So just a little text message to the doctor, just th those touch points. I'm all about over-communicate, over-communicate, over-communicate. Mm. Okay with the client telling us, shut the F up. I'd rather do that. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't heard from you. And I remember like years yeah. ago, that, I haven't heard from you guys for a while. I, I knew like that there was emails, but they just, we, we can't rely on clients to go through their inbox to find our emails. We've got to be making the calls. We've got to send the texts. We've got to appear like we're everywhere. And it also understand yeah. what they need so that we can make any changes that they, that they may need or else, you know, on the other side, tell them, hey, you, this is where your team aren't performing as well. So this is what you need to be aware of. But having that hmm. line of communication to really help their business. Love it. You know, uh, I rather hear shut that up. I, I love that. I think that's going to be the highlight. And I, th I think that's so true, right? Like, you know, it should be like that in every single agency, especially if you want to retain your clients, just communicate, communicate, communicate. So very well said, Bref, in, uh, in these uh, amazing words. Uh, so let's let's wrap this up, Bref. Uh, what's one uh, one tip you'd like to give to anyone who's uh, wanting to start out a digital marketing agency today? Um, I might break it into so I know it's one, but I might do one part A and part B. It's just to get us people in. <laughs> Love it. But um, you know, like I mean, for for us at Clinic Roar, for myself, um, for anybody starting out, right? There's there's ups and downs, right? There's definitely both, and so staying in the game is for me has always been key. There's been so many times, and especially in the beginning, where it's like, oh man, this is so hard, or this just happened, or we lost some clients. You know, should we give up? Should we try something new? Should we pivot to a new niche? And sometimes it might make sense to do, you know, to do a pivot. But you know, if you believe in what you're doing, um, if it's really important to you, if there's a clear vision, if there's a clear goal then never giving up and, and, and staying in the game. I think that people need to hear those words from time to time and have that you know, reinforced in different ways. And so that for sure has been you know, crucial for us uh, over the years. And also got on the other side of that, um, an old mentor of mine back from traditional media days, um, I just remember him in the office one day, there was a lot of stuff going on. He just leaned over the desk and said, you know what, Breath, don't sweat the small stuff. And I think today, well, there's a lot of um, stuff going on in all of our worlds, and we just need to take a step back and say, you know what, shit, that's really not a big deal. In fact, everything is <laughs> being like really bad, and I'm, you're seeing all the Facebook feeds and the guy with the Lambos and whatever is like, you know, imposing in your world. Yeah. Shit, you know what? I'm actually doing pretty damn good here. We're doing good. <laughs> For people starting out, I know that stuff can can be everywhere. So I would say yeah. in the game and uh, don't sweat the small stuff. That's amazing, man. And I think I remember, you know, when I first started out, just getting a client's call uh, because uh, there was, uh, you know, an error in capitalization maybe on the homepage or something like that, right? And I used to just go crazy about it. I mean, I was just getting on with my team and get this fixed. But, you know, eventually I realized that, you know, it's not that big of a deal, right? And I think it also comes down to, expectations and uh, 
like like what you're saying that you know it's it's a, it's a long game that you're after so you know don't worry about the small stuff it's going to happen as long as we learn from it on a daily basis and we kind of put together our systems and processes in place where these things don't uh, become a common recurrent uh, i think i think we're good to go and uh, i th- i think you said it really really nicely that you know don't so sweat the stuff, small stuff and being in for the long run you know it's, it's a marathon not a sprint so uh you know tie that up and uh, launch your agency and i think you'll be good to go so thanks a lot brett uh, it's been an honor it's a privilege uh listening to you today i think this is going to go a long way for other people who are listening to us today and thanks for taking a time out of your busy schedule today for making this happen really appreciate it zar great to see you again thanks so much Thanks a lot, Brad. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers.